Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack. He is Frank. Uh, we have some some credibility to our name. Uh, last week's conversation with Avram at, at All Day Pigskin, and he said he liked the name. So uh, I think it's official that we're sticking with it. Um, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna hang out to the Bear With Us podcast name. It's I, I don't know, Frank. I like it a lot a lot better than the Corked Up podcast. The Corked Up podcast, I think it served its purpose. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do with this podcast, but we figured it out. And I, I feel like the name is a lot stronger. I agree. No, I think it just, it, with us predominantly speaking bears, we'll just NFL. It, it, it fits what we're doing much more. I mean, we had high hopes to cover like all Chicago sports, but I think two things were at play that sort of threw a monkey wrench in that, uh, I just, I don't pay attention to the other sports anymore. Like I do the NFL. It's, I mean, the NBA regular season doesn't mean anything. I, I stay tuned and understand what's happening, but I'm not watching full games. I'll try to catch the second half of Bulls games, but we just know in general, the, the regular season doesn't mean a damn thing. Like playoffs are still fun for me. There was a lot of uh, blowouts this year, but it just me, you could, you could even tell by the way they play like that sense of urgency. Um, and then I think we've touched on this before too, like baseball, we don't pot enough. We do once a week. So, to, like, you could have three series, hypothetically, four if there's a two-game series in, in a week. And it's like, how do you cover four yeah. series? Like, one of my favorite, I used to – they ended the podcast maybe a year or two ago. I forget even what they were called. No, they were really, really good. They were a group of, like, four dudes uh, that did a, a, a Cubs podcast. And they would do one after every series. And I'm like, that's the commitment that, like, Cubs or baseball coverage needs that we're just not going to do. No, we were we were never going to do that. And, uh, you know, we figured how could we possibly talk about the Bears all off season? Like, what is there to talk about? Luckily enough, we, we have some information today that we, we, we do want to touch on. Um, you know, for just kind of a breakdown of what we're going to be talking about. There were uh, two people that signed with teams that are relevant to our conversation last week and overall the Bears just in general. Uh, so we definitely want to touch on that. The city is trying to do whatever they possibly can to not be the uh, the politicians in charge that lost the Chicago Bears uh, <laughs> during their tenure. And uh, what's the feasibility of that? So we're going to get into that, and then we're going to end this today's show with uh, something fun, because I saw it on, on Twitter, someone tweeting it out, and I thought it was really fun. Uh, it was, it was kind of like a poll of, out of the three most recent Bears head coaches, who was the worst, who was the best? It was between Mark Trussman, John Fox, and, and Matt Nagy. And I sent it to Frank, and I was immediately like, we're definitely going to have to talk about this. Because I saw some people having some really interesting opinions that I, I didn't really consider. I thought it was kind of obvious. Um, but it's 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 something I want to get into. So we're going to go over that at the end. Uh, but, Frank, let's get started with, uh, with the player stuff, because that'll be kind of quick. Uh, number one, we have another former Chicago Bear joining the Atlanta Falcons. Eddie Goldman signing a one-year deal to, to to be with his boy Ryan Pace one more time. Uh, Frank, how like it's not going to mean anything because that team isn't going to be good. But like <laughs> this is pretty weird, right? Like the devotion that former Bears players had to maybe Ryan Pace. Like I get it, they they drafted, uh, they they got drafted from them, but like. It just seems wild to me. Like Demir Bird is there, Elijah Wilkinson is is now there, uh, Cordero Patterson, obviously Damian Williams uh, was was signed there. Um, you know, obviously Eddie Goldman, like we were talking about. Uh, 
Tease Tabor, a former Bear who, like, I don't really think did anything while he was on the team. Uh, but it's just like, God damn, like, there's so many people on the, on the, on the Falcons roster. You're just like, what is going on? Um, did you did you also find that funny? I, I do. I, I find it. I found it very, very funny, actually. I, uh, I am very curious to see if when Tariq Cohen, hopefully when he's healthy, if he gets a, a you know, they get, give him a, a little waiver, probably next off season, uh, you know, like a one or one or two year, very little uh, guaranteed money. Um, but the, my only thought that I had, Jack, to be honest, was like, how much pull does he have? Ryan <laughs> Pace is with GM. the Falcons because he's not the GM, but they're signing a ton of Bears players. Yeah. So it made me wonder, like, what exactly is the the hierarchy of scouting GM uh, type type of thing? But in Eddie Goldman's case, it makes sense that he would be loyal to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace cashed him out after one good year. When we cut Eddie Jackson, he's going to the Falcons next year, one hundred percent. Oh yeah. Like a, a, he cashed these guys out so soon. Like that when when <clears throat> we talked about like you know, the downfall of pace. That was one of the really big, well, it wasn't just the draft misses. It was like, he would like one good year, bam, that's it. You got your money. Like that's not how extension should work in the NFL. Uh, so I would, it wouldn't shock me if he does have that sort of influence that they continue to get more guys that he's paid in the past. Yeah. And I mean, you, you look like you look around, like on their depth chart, I'm honestly stunned that like uh, Riley Ridley isn't on that team to join his brother, Calvin, uh, I'm surprised that uh, Javon Wims isn't isn't on that depth chart either. But you know who knows? The offseason can has has a lot of mysteries to it. Um, honestly, I'm surprised that Mitch didn't end up going to the Falcons. Like I, I know, obviously they wanted to draft a, a quarterback, and they did with with Desmond Ritter uh, in the third round. But like, just kind of looking back, like it, it feels like that would have been perfect for Mitch to to go there right now. It's 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 just interesting. So. Uh, just thought that was a little funny. And then the other one we wanted to touch on was obviously the trade that happened today. Baker Mayfield sent to the Carolina Panthers for like a fifth round pick, uh, which is just so damn funny compared to what we originally heard when the Browns made the move for Watson. It was like they're looking for nothing less than a first round pick. And it's like you're out of your mind if you think you're going to get a first round pick for a guy that you do, I, you clearly don't believe in. Um I, it was just funny because obviously we the first person I, I contacted and reached out today was uh was Avram from last week, and uh, he was uh, he was not happy. He was not happy. Just thought it was dumb. It, it's just a team that passed up on Justin Fields for a cornerback is now cycling through Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I think that's absolutely incredible. I mean, you know how I feel about it. That was what I was rooting for this whole. Offseason. Yeah. I just wanted a oh, full yeah. quarterback competition. The more quarterbacks they bring there, the happier I'm going to be. Um, that being said, though, it's unfortunate for them that this wasn't the case last year. Because say what you will about Baker. I know he has his ups and downs, but his ups are really high. Like Sam Donald has never had a consistent streak that Baker did at the end of his rookie year. And then was that his second year when he led them to the playoffs? Like he's had good at least moments, if not full years uh, before with the Browns. So it's like he, you there, he may not be the reason that you're winning. He's not, you know, uh, anywhere near like a Patrick Mahomes type, but there's a proven style that he can have success with. And if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy and they can lean on that run game, you could do a little something. Um, and compared to what they had to trade for Darnold, I mean, 
I, I sort of feel bad for the Panthers fan base because this was the flyer they were supposed to take last year, not give up everything they did for Darnold, who's had like no consistent success. Because um, this is a solid flyer. It's a fifth or fourth, whatever it is. Like that's pretty good for a starting quarterback. Like, because again, let's make no mistake, Baker isn't a bum. I know people make the jokes and everything, but he's never <clears throat> been a bum in the NFL. Um, yeah. He's a average to good quarterback at his highs. And then his lows, he can be really bad, but even even his lows haven't been consistent, just like his highs haven't. He's, he's been a little all over the place. So that, that's a guy that's taking a chance on with the fourth or fifth. You, you, you take that as a fan base, but it's like now, what the hell do you do with Darnold? Do you just keep him as your backup? I, they're, they're obviously going to have them, them battling it out. Um, one of them is going to have to back the other up. I can't, I, but I can't, Jack, I can't imagine... Sorry to interrupt you, but I can't imagine no, that, that Darnold wins that quarterback competition I, unless Baker's hurt. I think what might happen is I think, well, first of all, with a guy like Baker Mayfield who who does get hurt, obviously we we know he's he, you know he's played through a lot of injuries. Um, he's not he's a durable guy. Like he hasn't missed like a ton of time or anything like that. But just the the way that he plays, like he he does get hurt. He does play through things. So I think having a good backup is definitely going to be key one that can step in and maybe do a little running like Sam Darnold apparently was able to do at the beginning of last year. Like maybe that's how they split up time. I I think you're going to be seeing something similar to what you see in Seattle where you're going to have Geno Smith and Drew Locke, maybe even playing an equal amount of time by the end of the season. Like their stats may not look super different. Um, I, I think you will see a timeshare type situation at quarterback because that might be the new thing. Uh, one thing for the Browns that I do want to like say, you know, maybe the what they were worried about, because I agree, I don't think Baker Mayfield was ever really the problem for the Browns. He definitely wasn't the solution. Um, so it makes sense that maybe they, they wanted to try something different. Uh, just who they selected maybe wasn't you know, the the best possible option, um, given the, the fact that he might be missing an entire year, if not more. Um, but also, Baker was looking to get paid. And you, you can't justify paying him probably what he wanted to pay. And so if you're going to lose him anyways, why not at least get a fifth-round pick? So I, I kind of get it on the business side. Um, but I agree, I don't really think it's just it's just fascinating to me that a, a franchise that has been dying for at least average quarterback play, guys they're not cycling through every single year, they find one and then they get their heads get a little too big and they're like, oh, well, we could do better. It's like, no, you fucking can't because you haven't in the literal entire time that you have come back to Cleveland. This franchise has been reinstated. Like, you guys... You've never been able to figure this whole thing out. So I, I don't know. I, I think Baker's going to be in a much better place. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for me. It's not like, oh, my God, the Panthers are playoff bound. It's just like, OK, we'll we'll see what what how it goes. Yeah, well, I mean, they do have solid weapons, though. So I think a lot of it and this isn't a take like any sort of uh, accountability away if uh, um, Baker Mayfield winds up having a bad season, but. This is a lot more on that rule than anything. Because, again, there is a playbook on how you can succeed with Baker. Um, 
And if he just completely abandons that and, and it's sort of a Matt Nagy situation where it's like, we're just looking the guy to be able to execute my playbook and like you're not helping him out at all, then it's, it's going to fail. Uh, and I think it'll be more so on him. I mean, it's one of the things we've talked about, you know, when it comes to Justin Fields, like don't just put him in there, like set him up to succeed. And, and I feel the same way about Baker. Again, does that make you a Super Bowl team, playoff team? I doubt it. Maybe playoff, depending. The NFC's not crazy. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's you can't just do the same old, same old and expect because Baker is an upgrade, even if it's only a marginal one, that things are just going to magically start to click. But, I mean, the weapons there are good. DJ Moore is a really good receiver. Uh, Robbie Anderson's a really good deep threat. Christian McCaffrey, we know what he is. Terrace Marshall's been making strides. So, like, they got the weapons. Let's see if uh, if Rule can actually put something together. And maybe a system that maybe fits Baker's skill set a little bit, uh, a little bit better. You know, we know the Browns obviously we're we're big on on running the football and running a lot of like play action stuff. So maybe it just takes a different scheme. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, just obviously wanted to touch on Baker, given our our conversation from last week with Avram. Uh, again, go check out his page All Day Pigskin after you listen to this podcast, of course. Um, Frank, moving on over to the Bears and some actual offseason news. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot would like to put a dome on Soldier Field in an effort to keep the Bears in Chicago. Uh, it's it could be anywhere from four hundred million to one point five billion, um, which that seems like an insane range to kind of be playing with. Like, like four hundred million. First of all, is a lot, but one point five billion is is an insane to put a dome on. Cause I, I don't even, I don't know if that means like they would improve other things about the stadium. I don't know if that, that is just the dome. That seems absurd, especially because it would come through taxpayer money. Like the city would be paying for that through taxpayer money. So like, I don't know that it doesn't really seem all that feasible. Frank, what do you think a dome is enough for the bears to be like, you know what? Let's keep going with this relationship. Let's extend our relationship. Forget the fact that the stadium is super small and it sucks for our fans to get to. And it's just an eyesore to really look at, whether it's inside or outside the stadium. Uh, yeah, the dome will be enough for us. Do you, like, I don't know. What do you what do you think about the dome? I kind of just gave you the answer, but no, no, it's because it, it's never been about the stadium itself. I don't think because you look at like what the Ricketts did with Wrigley field, they were able to renovate what they wanted to do. The McCaskies never have the ability to do that. Cause they don't own that stadium. Like that, that's the bigger issue here. I think that's what people are like failing to realize. Like, I can't believe they're leaving. And it's like, the city's never going to sell that to bears ownership and they want their own stadium. Like that's the only thing that can mend this at this point. Um, it's owned by the park district. Like when you hear players talk about how bad that field is, it's because they have events two or three or four times a week in certain times. that's just fucking up the grass. The best groundskeepers in the game can't maintain that when there's, you know, they have a concert one day and then they have a, a soccer game the next day. And then they have this and they have like kids programming. They're like, dude, what are we doing? This is a professional, a professional NFL team plays here. Like, can we just have them own it and j it just be theirs? Um, so I, that, that's the only thing. And we know that's not going to happen. So like, my only question is from a non bears standpoint, I don't know if it's a political thing locally, like 
okay, you build the dome and the bears still say, no, what the hell are we, what do we just waste tax dollars on them? Wait, like you have to have a second plan in case the bears say, no, what do we need a dome there for at that point then? If they're yeah. not going to, they're not going to stay. So, I mean, it's, it's probably like 20 years too late to, to even consider that being the reason that they stay. I, it, it's silly. It's a silly proposal they've, in my opinion. Yeah. They've, they've tried to make these, they've tried to make these small little adjustments throughout for, for God knows how long now, like they had a lot of opportunities to renovate the stadium, to do more with it. And they just never really did it, the, the Chicago bears play in the smallest stadium in the NFL. Like just that, that's, that's a fact that it's 61,000 seats. Like that's not enough. And if you want your team to be able to upgrade and, and, you know, become a big market franchise, like everybody begs them to be instead of operating as the small time, you know, mom and pop store that they get criticized for so often, you, you have to move to Arlington Heights. You, you just have to, there, there isn't enough room in the city anymore like things have have progressed a considerable amount maybe you could have gotten away with this 20 years ago maybe even 30 but it, it's too late like there's there's just not and i know Lori lightfoot is looking at you know she's talking about other lots potentially maybe moving them somewhere else it, to keep them in the city but it, you, you're right frank if the bears can own their own stadium and get Ninety five hundred percent of the profits from hosting the Super Bowl, hosting Final Fours, concerts, all that stuff in Arlington Heights because they have a roof built in. You know, they have a retractable roof like Minnesota or, or, or Las Vegas. I know I heard that the Bears are actually currently talking with or uh, consulting with the people who did the the stadium for Las Vegas. So, you know, that says something, I think. If they can get all the money, why would they want to just stay in, in a stadium that everybody hates <laughs> just just because they don't? Because as Lori Lightfoot put it, they're the Chicago Bears, not the Arlington Heights Bear. It's like, nah, man, like they want they want their stadium. It, I don't see how a, how putting over a fucking roof does anything like it just doesn't do anything. And it's such, it's such a dumb it's such a dumb rebuttal. That they're oh they're the Chicago Bears the Giants and Jets play in New Jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 Cowboys play in uh, Arlington, Arlington Heights is what it, Ar- yeah. Arlington Texas yeah I mean a lot of teams that cross sports don't play in the actual no, city it's because it's because the metropolitan area is too there's too much stuff going on to put a big fucking stadium like it it just doesn't work anymore it just doesn't work it it just doesn't and and it sucks that. You know, they, they clearly don't want to be the people who who let the Bears leave Chicago. But again, it's not them. This has been in, yeah, the, they, in the works for however long the Bears have been at Soldier Field. Like they, to be quite honest, on the flip side of that, anyone who would blame the mayor for them leaving. I mean, the mayor wasn't the one that made that agreement with the city to begin with. This was like years upon years ago. Yeah. Uh, when they They're left gonna try Wrigley and Field. So, yeah, yeah I, right. And, and they're going to try to get them to stay. And I totally get that. But anyone who's like, oh. She's the reason that they let. I mean, you're just that's a clown show. Like you, you. There's plenty of things you can criticize Lori Lightfoot about. The Bears leaving is not one of them. This yeah. was way before any current administration, uh, you know, was in place. That uh, that agreement of them not owning their own stadium was here, and that's been their goal. And let's make no mistake, it's happening. They're they're leaving. They put the proposal in already. Like there, there's is. It's going to take something drastic that I don't think 
any administration could pull off to get them to stay. I, I can't see it. I, I just, it doesn't make any sense for them to stay. Uh, like the whole, well, you get, you get the bear weather from, from late, from the lake, from the, fr- from the lakefront coming in in December. It's like, shut the fuck up. All right. Let's act like a professional fucking football team. You're right, Frank. This is a professional NFL team that generates billions of dollars. Let's stop acting like they're, you know, just, oh, whatever. The Bears play this week. Like, no, like it's time to be taken seriously. And if they have the space to do it in Arlington Heights, it's I I cannot see a a scenario where they stay. I, I just can't. I really can't. They get all the proceeds from their own stadium and they would get to be able to generate more revenue doing things like hosting the Super Bowl. Like how I just don't get like. How would Bears fans not want that? You know what I mean? Like, Frank, I haven't been to a Bears game in like 14 years because it's just not worth it to me. Well, first of all, they haven't been good in a very long time. But also, it's just not worth it. Like, you think of how to get down there. It's not easy. There's just not an easy way to do it. I feel the same way with with Wrigley Field. Like, And, you know, like you were touching on. I think the Ricketts did a very good job with with renovating it and making it more of a modern type of MLB structure, right? Like, it looks like other towns have their own stadium. But even now, I mean, you still are like, you know, am I taking the train down there? Am I parking? You know, how much is parking? It's just like a whole thing. Whereas if you go to Arlington Heights, yeah, we'll go to the Bears games. We'll find parking. We'll we'll just park there. Like, it's not that difficult. And And it's on a metro stop. So our metro stop, like you just can take the train right there. So I think it makes way more sense for them to leave than it does for them to stay, regardless if they add a dome or not, costing four hundred million to one point five billion. I, I think I don't know. I don't know. I agree. No, I totally agree. Uh, with that being said, Frank, before we jump into the uh, into the coaching stuff, I, I wanted to touch on one last thing here. Um, it was something that you know we. We wanted to touch on, um, you know, we were kind of talking about it and uh, with the move and everything, I think it got a little lost uh, in the conversation, but um, I wanted to touch on uh, the removal of of Soup Campbell from, from the Bears. Oh, that's um, right. Ryan Poles deciding to move on from Lamar Soup Campbell. Um, he was the, I want to make sure I get his title correctly. Director of Player Engagement. Uh, this was on July 1st. Um, so even before our podcast, actually, believe it or not. Um, he was one of the people that hired Ryan Poles, one of the people on the search committee that brought Ryan Poles in for uh, for the interview. And Frank, another side of this was the fact that he was fired, Ryan Poles fired him on, on vacation. Um, from what I can tell, it just doesn't sound like there was any, like, one specific, like, he I don't know, broke Ryan Poles taillight or something with a baseball bat. Like he just, he, he, Ryan Poles just wanted to bring in his guys and do his own thing. Um, what did you think about it? Did, do you have any negative feelings towards him firing him on vacation? Like we're still learning about Ryan Poles and how he does things. Uh, what was your reaction to him moving on from, from soup? I'm going to be quite honest with you, Jack. Go ahead. 95% of people have never heard of this soup fella until he got fired. And I'm part of that 95%. I, I really didn't 
it, it didn't affect me in the slightest. I don't even know what the fuck his job description is. I don't know what that what you do in that role at an NFL team, and maybe that's my ignorance. Um, but in people searching for reasons why he could have gotten fired, it was brought up, and I thought it was interesting that maybe he didn't handle his portion of the job. Um, I know we had two players get arrested. Was it Byron Pringle doing the uh, the donuts? Yep, yep. With his and kid then, in the car, and then the linebacker. I'm blanking on his name. Joshua Adams with the guns. Jo- Josh Adams, yeah. Potentially, that was it. I mean, I don't know. I, I It's hard, but without knowing the reason why, it's hard to know because there's just no context or hard to have feelings about. To be honest, the only thought that I had was like, that to me only reinforces that this is the Ryan Paul show, for better or worse, whether he succeeds or fails. This guy helped during the search to get Ryan Poles here. And George wasn't like, oh, you can't you can't fire this guy. Like he's our he's our guy, or he's he, you know, he George is letting him do his job. Um, and he wanted to fire him for whatever reason that was. And again, like that's I know. It may not sound big to to people, but that is a huge thing because we've heard in the past that George sort of meddles in with with things or uh, the goddamn accountant. Why am I blanking on his name? We have uh, Ted Phillips has sort of meddled into things. And I would assume that if you ask them, they wouldn't have wanted to fire him because he has been here for, what, 14 years? I mean, it's been a while that he's been uh, with the Bears. So that was really my my only thought. Other than that, I really didn't I really didn't care. I don't think that's going to do anything in terms of like day-to-day or roster construction. Like I thought people who were like freaking the fuck out about it. I was like, you don't even know who this guy is or what he does. I almost guarantee it. <laughs> I think there were two things that contributed to people being more upset than, than they normally would. Cause like you said, it's not uh, a position that you, you know, think of mattering when it comes to NFL teams succeeding. But again, it's not to say that that position isn't important. Um, it's, you know, it might be. It, it might be a lot of those behind the scenes things that you and I, Bears fans, Bears meet, we just never really think about. Um, he was, it, it was reported that he was liked by a lot of players. Um, so that maybe was, you know, when you're building something, you don't want to upset the balance too much where it's like now players are like pissed and before things have really ever gotten started. And then the other thing was, uh, you know, the, the firing during the vacation thing. Frank, I'm going to be honest with you. At first, when I saw that they fired him um, while he was on vacation, I was like, man, that's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Because, like, I, I don't know. Like, you're with your family. You're, you're taking time off. Maybe you're getting ready to come back to work and you find out you're fired. Like, it. I'm sure it sucks. And, it, and that was my feeling at first. I was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I really like that. <laughs> but then on the other hand, I started thinking about it more. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, the Bears, we've been asking for someone to stand up and be a little more ruthless when it comes to being like, and we kind of had hints that this is who Ryan Poles is. We heard it during the interview. He's like, listen. I'm going to come in and this is how we're going to fucking do things. You don't want me to be here. Uh, you don't want me to do this. And I'm not coming here. And the bears were like, Oh, okay. All right. And we've had the fucking nice guy for the last seven years with Ryan pace. We've heard the, Oh, everything's great. You know, we're building this, we're collaborating. We're, you know, we're, we're going to have the best darn organization you'll see. 
We've been asking for someone to just fucking play, be real about where the Bears are at. This guy's been with the organization since, I think, 2015. And, yeah, he was a high riser and he was liked by players. But guess what? The organization hasn't been good in the last seven years. So if you need to make some changes to get people in the right positions that you think will make this organization better, fuck yeah. Fucking do it. Do it. Sucks that he's on vacation, but guess what? This is the this is the pro of the pro organizations. Like the the NFL is gold standard. The NBA is great with the way that they handle player contracts. MLB, I mean, they're they have a lot of their own fucking issues, and the NHL just like doesn't make a lot of money. Like the NFL is the gold standard of organizations, and it's nice to me to have someone in there who's willing to be like. Nah, fuck this. It's not working. Let's just do something different. Like, good. We need some of that ruthlessness back in this. It, it not maybe not back, but like, just not doing the same damn things the Bears have been doing. And Frank, to me, this is like, I don't know. It was kind of it, it was kind of like a nice wake up call. We've been doing this whole bit. We we've been afraid that maybe George McCaskey was gonna keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Hiring a guy named Ryan as a GM and a head coach you know, named Matt, like the jokes are there, but I don't know, Frank, this does feel, this does feel different, doesn't it? No, it does. It, it's, and, and again, that's not to say that things are going to be successful because it is different, but that's all we've asked for. I mean, th- think about everyone who's been listening to us over the last couple of years. That's all we've asked for even on Matt Nagy, like show us Mitch sucks. That's it. Just show us. Yeah. Let us know what's at. Don't handcuff everything. Let us actually see it. I get you have to win games, but let's go. Same thing with, you know, with ownership, if the you know if if these are your hires, let them be your hires. That that's it. You you hired them, and we even had deep dives like deep dives psychologically as to like how weird it is that you know uh, even like a- after um, the the Bulls documentary when Jerry Krause wanted all this success and like there's people who don't. It's like you are the success. You hired this guy. That's your yeah. success. Like, and it's just, so we've asked for things like this in the past. Again, the vacation thing. Uh, I, you know, it, people can take it negative. People can take it positive. That portion is is what it is. But yeah, I I I could only if I if I had to have a takeaway, it would again be what we just talked about. Of like, polls is the guy. He's doing what he needs to do. If that means firing someone for whatever the reason was on vacation, it is what it is. Yeah, and. Again, I, I don't I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, it really won't matter. Uh, but since this is the off season and we latch on to any literally any information that comes yeah. out, um, I, I think, you know, I think it's worth talking about it. It's just funny. I feel like that story, it felt like it came out like eight weeks ago and it was literally just five days ago. Because I, I know just it is strange. It just didn't really seem to matter. Like at first, everyone was like, what the fuck? Like what? Are you firing people? Like, what's going on? I mean, and there, there is just this, again, this sense of ruthlessness of firing the guy that hired you. I just find that to be very ironic. And I, I'm sure it doesn't feel good for Soup, but from all intents, from all I've heard, he's going to be fine. He's going to be scooped up by other teams. I'm sure, mate, maybe he'll head to the Falcons and, and join the rest of the Bears that are down there. Uh, Frank, let's uh, let's get into the meat of the podcast tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking, obviously, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning, The last three head coaches, who is the best, who is the worst between uh, Mark Trussman, John Fox, and Frank's guy, Matt Nagy. So let's get into it, Frank. Like, we we can do this a number of different ways. We can rank them from from one to three. You know, we can do three to one, go up, down, however you want to do it. Uh, 
I just found it like every time I was going to be like, okay, it's obvious that, th- well, well, mm, I don't know. I just kept going back and forth like that. I thought it was a fun conversation to be had. So uh, let's, let's get into it. Um, st- you can kick things off however you want, and then I'll follow you. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think it'll be good to just go in order of tenure and sort of describe the context of the time, what we thought at the time, and then maybe rank them at the end. Um, so obviously, first in line here is Mark Trestman. Um, coming off of the Lovey Smith administration, we were looking for drastic change on offense because Lovey had ran a very good defense for, what was he, our coach tenure? I mean, it was a while. Um, but never quite figured it out on the offensive end. So naturally, you go just get the offensive guy. I think everyone was, you know, excited about that. But I think every everyone that I knew anyway, their first choice was Bruce Arians. This guy was begging to be the Chicago Bears' next coach. Um, you know, and and George, you know, didn't read emails and, and didn't see the dove come by his house, drop off the note and all of that. So that sort of, you know, sours that whole thing anyway. But um, Trustman, the book on him was year one. He's gotcha. That offense is going to hum. They're, they're going to do very well. Year two is when things get weird because he doesn't make adjustments really from year to year like that. He does the same thing and the defenses catch on to him. And that's kind of exactly what happened in terms of offense. I think his biggest downfall, though, was just his lack of leadership, man. Like, you think of Jay Ratliff going fucking bonkers with whatever, you know, mental health things he was dealing with. It's not to diminish that, but, like, he came in in a practice week and, like, I forget the exact story now, so I know I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but he, like, tried to break a window and, like, broke in and was, like, going nuts and, like, throwing desks and things in classrooms. And, like, he was just acting crazy. They kicked him out. They they made him go home. And then he was the captain that week for uh, – I, I don't even know who we played against. But, like, it was, like, shit like that was going down. Like, this dude had no handle on his locker room whatsoever. If you remember, like – there were big uh, stories of Brandon Marshall like cussing out Robbie Gold in the locker room after a game, after like a big argument between Jay and Brandon. And the famous words of Brandon just telling him, shut the fuck up, you just kick the ball, like get the fuck out of my face. I mean, a lot of wild, and this is just what we know of. Like I'm sure Martellus Bennett has had some funny stories throughout the years that I've missed. I know he was very outspoken about that whole regime, but like the shit show really came year two. Um when it just all imploded. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, so I think I, I did well sort of laying out what that, what that, ha- what happened in those two years, Jackie, do you want to add to anything or sort of give your thoughts on that, on that regime as a whole? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much else to say, but like, it just, it's such a tale of, of two seasons. Like I think having, because it's it, what happened to Mark Trussman was everything that everybody said would happen with him, right? Like he has one just amazing season where he's just like on fire as a play caller. Your team just puts up points, like it's it's great. And then the 
next season he gets kind of figured out and doesn't really adjust and then everything just sorts of sort of falls apart what i don't think a lot of people took into consideration when he was being hired uh by ted phillips and by phil emery was he's coming from the cfl where a lot of guys in that league are basically doing whatever they can to play professional football right like they want they they'll do whatever they whatever it takes he won, you know, cha- champion. I'm going to put those quotations down. He won championships in, in the CFL. I shouldn't diminish that. Um, great cups, Jackie. Great cups. Great cups. Great cups. He did win. He did win a few. And that's great. Uh, I just don't think he was prepared to be a head coach of an NFL locker room. Especially, especially the first guy hired after a lot of veterans players coaches like a lot of the veterans in that locker room lost the head coach that they absolutely loved they loved lovey smith and in the bears locker room they loved that dude and i'm sure a lot of them felt it wasn't fair that he was fired uh after you know going that as as frank knows after going 10 and 6 i don't know if you heard that frank that he went ten and six in his last season. Um, he just wasn't. He just he just wasn't the right fit. It just wasn't the right time for him to come to the NFL, to the Bears. Like that's a hire that like the Raiders make or the Dolphins or the Washington, you know, the Washington team now the Commanders. Like that's something kind of more small time. Right teams that not not the Bears. The Bears can't. You can't be doing that. You can't be bringing this guy in. Uh, and, and we saw why. Why not? The, the, everything just fell apart, like you were saying. Yeah. So that leads us into um, the John Fox era. So in a similar fashion, that you sort of want the opposite of what you had in Lovey Smith. So you get Mark Tressman. Now it was time for stability because that locker room was in shambles. It was it was horrible. Um, and what better guy culture wise to bring in than John Fox? Um, and I think not for nothing. I, I, I still to this day think he did a really, really good job. They didn't win a ton, but you know, the things that we asked for in terms of identity and what they wanted to do, like he established that, but I also going into that coaching gig, I never thought John Fox was the guy to rebuild the whole program and bring us to the promised land. I thought exactly what happened would happen. It'd be three, four, five years in that range where you're sort of establishing that culture, building something, and then you're handing that off to someone who can get you to the next level. Um, obviously, the guy after him didn't wind up working, but those are my expectations with that hire. And maybe that's why I, did, I didn't look at that time as like necessarily horrible, but I mean, think like, he beat the Packers on Thanksgiving in his tenure. He and he ran the ball a ton and ran it with the purpose and like did a lot of play action and things. And he was part of year one with Mitch, which I think a lot of people like acted like was really bad, but they rolled him out a ton. Like they used him, I think, better than Matt Nagy ever did, uh, you know, in his tenure. And yeah, I, I always thought John Fox did a really good job because even like thinking of the one thing we didn't touch on with Tressman was like the staff that they hired. Tressman hired fucking Mel Tucker as the DC and then kept him on after he had literally the worst statistical year in Bears history on defense. 
versus the staff that um, that John Fox put together with Adam Gase as the OC. Say what you want about a head coach, but everyone liked him as an OC. He was a solid OC um, everywhere he was. And Vic Fangio on defense, like he put together a really good staff that helped cultivate the 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 winning season really that we had in, in 2018 with Nagy. So like I thought for what he was brought in to do, he did a really, really good job. Um, not to say I thought he should have stood any longer or what, you know, he wasn't given a fair shake. I think that's what he was hired to do, to be there for three, four years, establish the culture and go. Maybe he didn't know that, but I thought he did <laughs> I thought he did a good job for what uh, you know, what the his purpose was. Did you have any differing thoughts on John Fox and that whole regime? There were uh, there were there was one thing that everyone was really excited about when John Fox was hired, and well, I should say two things. Number one, every like his first season as a head coach with a new with with a team has was historically good. Like he took the he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, uh, and then he came around and turned uh, the Broncos like right around. Obviously. The Broncos thing's a little bit different because, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, Frank, but he had uh, he had Peyton Manning as his quarterback, and that tends to help the old the old winning percentage. Uh, he did not have that uh, in 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 Chicago at all. Right. He he had he worked with he had Jay Cutler uh, for, I think, a couple of years. Right. And two years. He, yep. Two years. And then Mike Glennon and, and Mitch Trubisky in his final season. Um it's hard to say he did a great job, Frank, uh, because he had one of the worst winning percentages of any Bears head coach. Um, but again, like you said, it wasn't necessarily what he was supposed to do. It was about establishing that culture. Uh, the second thing that people were really excited about, including myself, John Fox was someone who could put together a really good staff. He did it. He did it in Denver, right? He did it in Carolina. Comes in, brings in Vic Fangio. Everyone's like, oh, this is nice. And then he brings in Adam Gase. And we're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, Adam Gase. He was with the Broncos. That I, I, Say what you will now about Adam Gase as a, as a coach. Uh, but at the time, that was a very exciting hire. And you're like, okay, yeah, this you could kind of see how this would work out. Um, fortunately, it didn't. I think a lot of his problems were he seemed almost like over being a head coach like he was asked a ton of questions I, I i like he you couldn't get a fucking answer out of anything from him during his tenure and it, it kind of came off as like annoying or he was annoyed just in general about being asked like quite it's almost like how tony Larusa acts now except john fox doesn't have the pedigree that tony Larusa does he like he's not someone who should be acting like that um so, yeah, that, there's really not a lot else to, to add in except, like, those staffs that he put together. Like, 2018, a lot of that happened because John Fox was the head coach. Like, he built that up. He reestablished the culture like you were talking about. They Him alongside Ryan Pace really refilled the cupboards. Um, we now know that he was – he wanted uh, Deshaun Watson – uh, where Ryan Pace obviously loved that Toyota Camry just so much that he had to have Mitch. So that kind of plays into why maybe John Fox wasn't as willing to give Mitch maybe a fair chance as, as much as you and I were kind of like, I don't know, like what's going on here? Uh, obviously, we know what happened with Deshaun Watson afterwards. Uh, but just as the from the player side of it, you know, I, I think there was a lot more to John Fox, a lot more positives. Uh, 
than just looking at his winning percentage and being like, oh, this guy's terrible. Yeah, no, and it, you hit on the, the biggest point, too, is look at the roster that he was dealing with throughout those years. That defense was depleted, and he completely rebuilt that uh, to what it was in 2018. He wasn't there when the max trade happened, but that the year before that, they were a top 10 defense. Like him and Pace built that thing, and, and they did a really good job doing so. And what we've said this before, like the reason that getting into now uh, Matt Nagy, a really big reason why a Super Bowl wasn't won with that defense and sustained success didn't happen. It's just the quarterback didn't work out. If you have Deshaun Watson on that roster, they probably get very close, if not winning one in 2018, 2019, because for as bad as a coach Matt Nagy was, the quarterback, I mean, I, I always said, like, forget the stats, forget winning or whatever you want to put on Aaron Rodgers. His biggest accomplishment was keeping uh, – uh, fucking, why am I blanking on his name? He's with the Cowboys now. Uh, Mike McCarthy's job for as long as he oh, did. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers just covered up so much because of how good of a quarterback that he is. Um, and so, you know, g- getting into Nagy, going off of Fox, this, this was the handoff. The handoff was the roster is built, but Fox maybe doesn't want to be here anymore or, you know, whatever it was, we're ready to win right now. And we want an offensive guy to come in and, and cultivate and, and develop Mitch. We have an elite defense. Let's fucking go. And Matt Nagy was brought in to be that offensive genius. I mean, we've we've clowned it for years now, but that's what it was dubbed as. You look at some of the articles from back then, all A pluses, this dude is going to get it done. He's a surefire thing. All of his players say he's the smartest guy in the room. He's incredible. And, what we saw was a guy who was totally in over his head and people bring up the winning percentages and such and hindsight even more so, but even in the moment, Vic Fangio was a big part of that success. He, he did his thing on defense 2018, 2019. And that was what it was that they were the Nagy had nothing to do with the defensive side of the ball. But even like looking at the talent that was on the offensive side, Pace built that. So it was almost like there were a lot of times, and this is more of the hindsight part, where I feel like Nagy won games. It was just really sheer talent. Mm-hmm. That was like, it, it was like the, the talent sort of rose, you know, uh, above how bad of a coach that Nagy was, especially defensively, but even on the offensive side, the offensive line was really good for a few of those years. If you if you remember back, like people now look at the offensive line issues. That was not the case in 2018, 2019. That didn't start becoming the case until probably 2020 and 2021. Like that, that's when the offensive line started to get a little bit fragile. But um, so, yeah, I mean, we get four years of this guy who, and this is huge hindsight as well, Jack. We used to say, and I think we were dead wrong about that with stories and things coming out. Like, you know what? Maybe he isn't a good offensive guy like we thought he was. But, like, the team hasn't given up on him. And he seems to be a good leader. And that, I don't think, I, I think what we were seeing was just that talent sort of rising above poor leadership and rising above, you know. And they were just continuing to be, I, I think it played more into the guys that Pace signed and drafted as being professionals that weren't going to cause a scene and things. Like, you know, I think Pace looked into a lot of that and found character guys. Granted, there were some guys who were, well, that just happens. It's the NFL. You, you have 53 people on the roster. It's bound to happen. But like all in all, these guys didn't give up. And I don't think it was because of Nagy. I think it's because they were just professionals. 
You know what I mean? And like, so a- a- any sort of positivity that we could have had about this guy, I think has sort of been stripped away and we're left with like, what the hell really was Matt Nagy other than like a complete fraud from what we were sold on? Uh, thoughts, corrections, additions. I'm just, I'm just laughing. Cause like, you know, Matt was a guy who absolutely like embraced the bears culture and loved being here. You, you just think of his house, you know, the, being able to look inside his house and just seeing like he was a fanboy. He was a Bears fanboy. But like that was the question that I think is it, it started popping its head up in his third season. And then obviously in the fourth season, it was just over the top where it's just like, what does he do to make this team better? Because like you said, John Fox, Ryan Pace, they built a very good roster uh, 2018, 2019, like even without Khalil Mack, like that team, like you said, was, was ready to take that next step into being competitive, whether that was going to be really good or just, you know, a great team. We didn't know, right. We didn't know that that 2018 defense was going to be one of the all time greats, but you saw the pieces, especially on offense with some of those, some of those pieces they had. And you're like, and you have the, the first quarterback drafted. The Bears haven't had that in a very long time, if ever. Uh, and you saw some things from Mitch where you're like, I can, I can see, I can see a good player here. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, an elite quarterback. We, I, I think you and I were very realistic about that, in, in you know, in 2018 or in 2017, excuse me, when we were kind of watching that. But I think you and I both saw uh, uh, pieces of a good quarterback, someone who can be good. And that was really all that team needed. And Matt Nagy was coming in. You know, we were sold on the, like you said, the offensive genius stuff. We were sold on the 101 evolving into the 202. And, you know, it's going to take some time to learn this offense. But once once you do, you know, it's going to it's just going to click. It's going to fire. It's going to look great. You know, he's the rhythm guy. He's like, once I get into a rhythm, you know, we'll just start wheeling off points. He's coming from the Chiefs. You're like, that's Andy Reid. Like, this is going to be, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And, you know, the first couple of games, ironing out some kinks, the defense is winning a lot of games. And you're like, okay. And then you have that game in Tampa Bay where Mitch just like fucking goes off. Obviously his career game. And you're like, this is it. This is it. We, we, We figured it out. And then they go in the bye week and come back and they look like absolute dog shit. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? And you saw that pattern for four seasons. They go into the bye week with some optimism and they come back and then they just get their fucking asses kicked. And you're like, what is going on? Matt Nagy never had this team prepared, right? Like when they needed to be. Primetime games are getting fucking clowned. They blew that game against the Packers in 2018, <laughs> the week one game where you're just like, God damn, like, how did you lose that game? I don't know what he did to make this team better because it wasn't the defense. He didn't make the defense better. That was Vic Fangio doing that. He didn't make the offense any better. We were wondering why this thing was still not working after three seasons. He told us it would be re- I, I just don't understand how someone tells you, hey, my offense takes three years to learn and master and be great to and translate that to, oh, this is win now. This guy's a first time head coach. This is going to be great. It's just like all this hindsight stuff. You're right. It feels like Bears fans got conned. They got conned by this guy. And, and again, he seems like a super nice dude, at least in the media. 
you know, with his players. A lot of players liked him. They did. But <laughs> you saw those cracks in the fourth season, Frank. Like, you saw guys were like, Allen Robinson was like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. And that's it. And that's a guy who busted his ass to come back to being a great player. Right. Like he had a very serious injury in Jacksonville, came here, proved himself and was like, no, nah, I'm done. This is not worth it. So you're right. Like were all those optimistic moments with Matt Nagy, just like a complete fake, like were they just fraudulent? I, I don't know. This is why I go back and forth with this, because like you think, well, the Bears weren't that bad when Matt Nagy was here. But was he the best out of these three? Because well, you can make an argument for almost all three of who is the best. That's why it's such an interesting question. Well, that that was that was why when we transitioned to the uh, to the actual rankings of them, I wanted to to do a countdown, whether it's who we thought was the best or or, or the worst, and we both have to say it at the same time. Do you have a preference of which one you would like to do best or worst? Let's let's start with let's go from from worst to best. No, no, no. let's let's. Oh shit! No, I, no, I don't know. No, because I, I feel like if we start at best, it'll give away the answer. Okay, so we'll do worst. I, I all I, I just want to do that. I'm going to count to three, and on three, we have to name who we think was the worst of these three. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. One, two, three. Mark Matt Trustman. Maggie. Oh. See, that was that was a debate for me. The debate for me between the worst was between Mark Trestman and Matt Nagy. The only reason, so this is the reason why okay, I picked. You go first. You go first. This is the reason why I picked Matt Nagy. That very last thing that you said about him, what does he do well? He had done nothing well in four years. At the very least, we were a top five offense in year one of Tressman, and even like a solid offense in years, it wasn't like it didn't go off the rails. It was just the defense was so fucking bad that they had to score 40 points to win games. They were giving up 50 burgers in year two of Tressman. But I had to sort of strip everything away, like records and things. But like, because again, the, the playoff stuff, it doesn't, we went 0-2. It doesn't matter. And we snuck in as a seven seed, um, you know, that, that second time. Um, but Tressman was very clearly really good at calling plays. At least in year one, like he, like that was a. Fu- if you look back, Jack, that was a really fun offense to watch with fucking Jeffrey and Marshall and Bennett and Forte. Jay Cutler had a really good year, and then when he got hurt, um, McCown had those four or five games. Like that was a fun offensive year. Granted, we thought it would be like next level, and we could the defense would be at least okay, and we could make a Super Bowl run. So that expectation wasn't met, but that was the most fun offense we've ever had in my life. So to me, I was like, I can't rank this guy third just based off of that. I know it was only one year, but again, like the, the one year that the Bears were fun to watch, it was defense. And it's like, that wasn't even the most fun defense to watch because I like the 01 and the 03 defense better. And even the year we made it to the Super Bowl, 607, like those defenses were more fun to watch than the Bears defense in, in, in 2018. So, so that, that was the way I, I, I drew yeah. it. That was for me. Yeah. I, I went, I went Trustman. Because of <laughs> when you talk head coach, and, and I think this is something that you and I really learned with Matt Nagy, the, the head coach can't just be one side of the ball, right? And, and it's not just calling plays. It's not just being a super genius at, at this and that. 
And yes, that is true. Mark Trustman did put up, I think, like one of, I think the Bears finished like top five in like multiple offensive categories, which again, super fun to watch. But I think it says something. He only lasted a couple of years and he, it got to the point where it was just exhausting. Like every time, every week, it felt like there was something else going on, whether it was making this guy a captain or having four captains and having like this guy do that. It just like got to be too much. I think if Mark Tressman, granted, if, if he had been coaching that 2018 team, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that offense works a little bit better. But it wasn't just the fact that the offensive the offense was good. You look at the defense and, and the coaching hires he made, right? He hired Mel, Tech, Mel Tucker. Like, that was his decision. So you can say he was, he was terrible. But that was because that, that was the guy who was brought in. Um, you don't know. I, I don't know how much input he had on the draft. Uh, so Phil Emery and his just, I mean, you look at those abysmal draft classes that just produced nothing, nothing on this team except maybe Alshon Jeffrey, depending on how you look at it, and Jordan Howard. Like, those were, like, the two guys that came out of those draft classes that were worth anything. I, I just – it just became a clown. Like, the, that was the, – I, I think going from 10-6, and six, missing the playoffs, Lovey Smith – like – in the, almost the entire tenure of, of Lovey Smith's Bears career, the Bears were respected. Like, they were respected. They were one of those teams in Madden where you're like, I'm going to play as the Bears because <laughs> they got, you know, they got some interesting players. But then you go to Mar- to, to Tressman and they become a joke of the league. Like, that, that to me, was, like, the end of things. That, that was, like, you are embarrassing the Bears franchise. Obviously, that's why he got fired. So, to me, it was just kind of more looking at the overall picture of his tenure as, as a Chicago bears coach. Do I think he's a better play caller than Matt Nagy? Absolutely. Uh, but that's, that's how I looked at it as, as worst. No, that that's completely fair. And, and again, I think it was an expectations thing for me as I rank this, because we didn't have nearly the amount of expectations that would trust me that we did with Nagy. Nagy became a clown show in, 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 in and of its own. It wasn't like the 50 burger type of thing. And that's just because the defense was still solid at by by the end of it, like if he and, and granted you're right. I, it's you can't I can't have it both ways where it's like well if he had Mel Tucker he didn't hire he fucking uh, Tressman is the guy who brought in Mel Tucker and I totally get that. But what I'm saying is if that defense was that bad, he would we would have been losing by 50 with Nagy because that's how bad his offense was. Like it was horrible uh, by the end of it. I mean, not even by the end of it, it was like by the middle of the first year that offense became, it went right back to being the same bad offense we've seen since we were kids. So it was like, yeah, that, that was why it was, it was much more of an expectations thing. Um, but I mean, I think it, that leaves for me, my number one was John Fox. I was that the same for you or, or did you have Nagy first and Fox second? Honestly, Frank, as we're talking about it, I'm still kind of debating. I think I'd go John Fox as the best of those, which again, it contradicts everything um, <laughs> like normal uh, of what you normally look at when it comes to, to coaches. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, 
none of them won anything. So yep. do does the winning percentage really fucking matter for for Matt Nagy? No, he didn't win anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't improve that team at all. Um, I will say he was a nice, he was a breath of fresh air at first. Like he was just like this real dude. You could just talk to, you could listen. He was gen like Frank, I, I do want to say like, yeah, his offense wasn't that great in 2018. There were still things he was working out, but you got to, not you necessarily. I will talk to you personally as well. Cause I, I think there's just one, like we should never forget how fun and special that season truly was. Dude, he was running Akeem Hicks on the on the goal line, calling it fucking Santa's sleigh. Like he had all he opened with the T bone formation in that first game. You remember that? Like, yep. This dude took this job seriously, and that was definitely appreciated. It just didn't work out. I I just don't think he was. I remember. Uh, reading something where Brandon Marshall was talking about why it didn't work out with Mark Trestman. And he told Mark Trestman, you were ahead of your time. Like it just wasn't the right, the right time. It wasn't the right fit. And I kind of feel like that might be true for Matt Nagy. Like he, he just wasn't the guy. It just wasn't the time to bring in a first time head coach to a team that was ready to win. Now I know they were trying to do basically what the Rams did with Sean McVay. I get it. There were a lot of similarities between those two teams, but just the more it went, you could tell he was in over his head. Like you talked about at the beginning, like he just, he just was, it's just not the right time for him to be a head coach. I, I I appreciate what he did. But, like, give me John Fox and his ability to create a good staff over anything. I'll take that. No, anyway. I, I I agree. And, and it goes back to, like, what you said about respectability. I, the Bears didn't win very much, but it was like we weren't the clown show with John, with John Fox. People were like, We were bad because like, the oh, roster whatever. was bad. Yeah, they, and people Like, got if you that. remember, like, that first year he was here, it was an aging Jay. It was an aging Forte. Uh, Brandon played one year under under Fox, like it, it was a, clearly a transition year and they still won six games that year. The next year when they won three, it was like, it was bad. Like they, they were looking for, you know, uh, just building pieces, really building blocks because the last regime just totally stripped them of any sort of talent. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you sort of have to look at it that way, I think. Um, but I, I, I just, I disagree with about Nagy. I don't think like I could see the case being made for Trestman being ahead of his time because the one thing that Brandon said was like, he was a player's coach. Like he wasn't like the drill sergeant mm-hmm. that you needed to be in that era and things are opening up now. Like that's why Sean McVay has so much success. Like listen to him in interviews. He sounds so fucking fun and the players love him for that. Like we're in a new era of of players that aren't going to take shit from coaches. Like if you disrespect them, they're going to disrespect you back, which I commend. I don't think and they're going to sit out and they're going to, and they're going to sit out and they're going to do like th- that, 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 that um, pendulum of power is swinging in the player's uh, wait, maybe not. It's I don't think it'll ever get to the point of of the NBA players like that that sort of power that they have, but it is swinging their way. Let's make no mistake. And with what we know about um, Tressman as a play caller, maybe just maybe with the right staff, he'd still have to show that he can actually hire a good staff. But like you could see him having some success in the NFL. When I look at Nagy, I'm like, what can he cling on to? Because <laughs> yeah. because even because Jack, when you think about um, Josh McDaniels. We know he was an asshole. He was bad at talking to people. He sort of came from that Patriot tree and thought he could be Bill Belichick right out the gate. No one 
ever question his ability to form an offense, to have an identity, to call plays. We know he has that. So he can have another shit show of a regime or tenure with the Raiders, and someone will, he will be an OC somewhere because that's what the fuck he does. What can you point to? Just like, even if it's just with John Fox, like he can build a staff, that's what he does. What the fuck does Matt Nagy do that you can be like, that's his claim to fame. That's what he does. Yeah. Say what you will about anything. He doesn't do anything. Well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get I get where you're coming from. I still think team six, I, I still think that team success should count in favor of Matt Nagy. Like he That's fair. He was still able to, you know, I, I'm not gonna say 2018 was all him. He did still take them. It, but again, it points against him was that the frustrating first three quarters of that Eagles game where it's like you come in knowing that the Eagles have these practice squad guys and you're like, attack the corners, fucking throw the football. And he fucking starts doing it at the end of the game and it starts working. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he figured it out. And then there's that optimism sort of kind of back going into 2019 and then they just get their fucking asses kicked by the Packers. And you're just like, all right, well, we're right back to where we were, you know, 10 years ago. Like, what the fuck is the point of this? I, I agree what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. I I they're, they're, I, I would say it's mo- mostly between, yeah, because I guess John Fox would probably be the best out of these three. Um, You know, maybe it wasn't as fun watching, but I think in hindsight, you can appreciate what he was able to do while he was the head coach. I mean, he did also challenge a fumble that gave the ball over to the to the other team. That, to be fair, Matt that's Nagy a fucking did. stupid rule. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, but it, it did happen. Like, you can't just pretend yeah, it did Yeah, no, happen. it did. It did happen. You're um, right. You're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I would say he was probably, you know, with, with hindsight, I, I think he was probably the best. I still think Tressman was the worst, um, only because Matt Nagy, as frustrating as he was to watch, that team – still didn't quit on him. Like they, they could have folded multiple times. Um, I, I would love to hold that last season against him as much as possible, but you and I are under the agreement that he shouldn't have fucking been there in the first place. That right, he was that a lame duck coach. Yeah. Not have happened. It's so frustrating that it did. We're getting all the Andy Dalton stuff. Like he was put into a no win situation, right? Like he, he, he just, he had to win to save his job. But the team wasn't going to let him win because they wanted him to play Justin Fields, who, in his mind, wasn't the right fit for his offense, yeah. which we still don't know what it was. I don't know. You could ask me, what the fuck was Matt Nagy's offense? I don't know. I can tell you yeah. what Mark Trusted's offense is. Goddamn, Frank, maybe Matt Nagy is the worst of these fucking three bums. Maybe he is. I, 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 the, the only to, For <laughs> me, the only debate was between Trestman and, and Nagy. And, and Trustman um, doesn't get off scot-free. Like, he hired bad coaches. Oh, no, no, no. He was, he was bad. He was an embarrassment Again, I mean, while he was here, right? Like we're he, comparing. He was a weird fucking guy. Don't forget, he's growing he the football was, and making the, like, wh- like he just was exhausting. He, he was, was a weird. weird fucking man. He brought he, up practice a lot. They had good weeks of practice. I mean, it's, again, we're, we're comparing, though, two bad, objectively bad head coaches and then one really good one who was on his third stint that, you know, I, to, to be quite honest, checks, with, with this old, but no, but with this old as John Fox was, I think he, he, and for, you know, he'd been around the game long enough to understand that I'm probably a transition coach. I'm here to eat up a lot of losses, create a culture. There's no way he didn't know that that was the plan. And I, it may have even been like very, you know, explicit 
explicitly said to him during interviews and because there wasn't very many interviews as soon as he got fired he was the bears coach three days later and and we you know we talked about him being stuck with my or uh or, or tied to ryan pace ryan pace wasn't going to get to make his own hire um and that was a big reason why we were so frustrated when 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 matt Nagy turned out to be bad because it's like dude you you we we gave you so much leeway with the whole john fox yeah. stuff they, he, was, he was a historically bad coach for the bears record wise we gave you some leeway and you hire this fucking guy like it just to me they did not learn anything from hiring mark tressman so that's kind of why i had him as the, as the lowest point because the bad that came after that That's was fair. because of that hire. Like Matt, we Matt Nagy, he he did the same thing. He was a guy who could who said he was an offensive genius, who was just a kind of a weird dude. And the offense just didn't work. The offense was very good with Mark Trestman. You you know, we we feel the same way on that. But then fucking Matt Nagy hires Chuck Pagano as his defensive coordinator. Right. I was yeah. telling you. I, I was the one telling you. you and did. I get it. I get it. I get where a lot of Bears fans, including yourself, were, were coming from in regards to why it didn't matter that Chuck Pagano was going to be – he was going to be an issue, Right. This defense is good enough. He doesn't have to do much. But I told you he was going to be bad and just wasn't the right fit. Oh, you were when right. They you were when they had a guy in Sean decide that everybody was like, no, this dude is legit. Granted, I I don't really think that ended up being true. I think he was good. The talent that he had at that point in that secondary was bad. And just some of the things you saw him draw up with blitzes and stunts and things. It was drastically different than the very vanilla defense that Pagano was. But I mean, Pagano, it, it, he was almost running like a cover two that we're going to see this year with like the bend, but don't break. But he just didn't preach like the swarming or the turnovers. He was just like, yeah, we're just going to you know allow field goals all game. Like <laughs> we're just going to keep giving up yards and, and, and hope for the best. Like it was. Yeah, it, it, there didn't seem to be much of philosophy, much of a philosophy there with him. Yeah, uh, and and again, I'm I'm kind of looking back on on sort of like what the Bears uh, what the Bears were doing in the hires because, like I said, they they didn't really learn a lot from their Mark Trustman experience uh, when they went with Mark Trustman over Bruce Arians. But in 2018, there weren't really any coaches that like the Bears interviewed that I was like super upset that they passed on. Yeah, like I guess the number one was Josh McDaniels, but we know he probably would have just head back to to. The, to the Patriots, just like he did to the Colts. Uh, so I, I can't really hold that against them. Um, they did interview Frank Reich, who I think I think could have been a lot better of a fit with the Bears than, than Matt Nagy. I would have been okay with that. Uh, they interviewed Jim Bob Cooter. Remember him? He was the, the OC, uh, OC for, the, the Lions, baby. for the Lions. Uh, he, they interviewed uh, Matt Patricia who we oh. obviously know, <laughs> we know that Yikes. didn't exactly work out. Um, I, th- this says that they interviewed Jim Harbaugh, but that's not true. That's not true. I think this might just be saying like, oh, who they could, who they could right, talk right, right. to. Yeah. I um, mean, so realistically, we got the second best coach that year, right? That was higher. Uh, let's take a look at this 2018 coaches because uh, NFL. I mean, because I think right from that class that you just named, Reich is number one. But Patricia was awful with the Lions. I mean, he was really bad with the Lions. Here, you know what? Uh, CBS 
they they threw out some grades for these for these coaching hires. So let's let's take a look real quick. The Colts got an A for they got an A for Josh McDaniels. So that was before he left. The Lions got an A minus for for Matt Patricia. Uh, we know that was bad. A B plus was given to the Raiders for hiring John Gruden. Whoops. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, the Cardinals hired Steve Wilkes. Gave him a B plus. Uh, the Bears had Matt Nagy as a B plus. The Giants, Pat Shermer as a B. Vrabel was hired by the Titans. Oh, which fuck. Uh, no. Yeah. So Vrabel and Reich are clearly the two, yeah, best coaches of that. And and Nagy yeah. is a distant third of everyone else you just named. Um, I'm still. It just uh, it's it's trying to make me pay for the for CBS Sports. Oh, Jesus. Um, but I, I don't want to pay for CBS Sports. I, I think you get the picture, though. There, yeah. there were, All right, Jackie. Get there, us, there get us the that, fuck out of here. Guys, yeah. come back next week when we compare Jerry Angelo, who was a, who was Tressman's... Who, no, before Pace. Phil Emery. No, Phil Emery still, and Ryan Phil Emery. Phil, Phil, Phil Emery is by far the worst. Let's yeah, not even, he was, he was Let's not even play around. He's, he gave that extension to Jay Cutler, didn't he? Wasn't that him? He did. But that was, I mean, those, those, I remember saying it back then, like people were like going nuts, but by like year two or three, he was like the 16th highest paid quarterback. It was, it was a <laughs> solid con. I mean, we weren't going to get any better at that point than Jay. So it wasn't a bad contract, but no, that's no. the last thing I would hold above his head is, is resigning. Dra- those drafted- draft picks were so bad. Yeah. yeah. But Jerry Angelo towards the end, like we, if we could, if we could divide Jerry Angelo into parts of his career and make it like, like prime Jerry versus like old Jerry, then yeah, maybe we could have a conversation because well, those picks the, at the, the end of Angelo. The, I, yes. We like to break things up in quarters over here. So the first first uh, four years of his tenure, though, that first quarter, very good. Second quarter was a little shaky, okay? And then he ended really strong. So we're really liking what we're doing going into to quarter number four here. Do you remember those Lovey? Do you remember those Lovey That's interviews? Yeah, that was that was good. I, I, like, I no. love Lovey Smith, dude. If he can come I, back one day as like the DC or something front office, I loved, I loved him. He did come back. He came back in in the form of of Flus. Matt Eberflus is is Lovey two point oh. Yeah, right? Flus doesn't have the Flus doesn't command the room like Lovey Smith. I guess, but uh, Frank, this was a lot of fun. I knew this conversation would uh, would would bring some spirited debate. Hopefully, it's the last time we have to talk about Matt Nagy on this podcast because I'm ready to move. That on. would be phenomenal. Uh, We'll uh we'll, we'll kind of go back to the drawing board for this upcoming episode. Um, I you know hopefully there's a little more to talk about. Um, player wise, uh, camp should be starting soon, so you know we'll we'll get into a little bit more of that. Frank, fun as always. Thank you guys for listening to the Bear With Us podcast. This I'm Jack. He's Frank. Check us out on Twitter, uh, YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. That's what YouTubers say, right? Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, go check us out on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. What is Apple's podcast called? Is it just Apple, Apple? Podcasts? Yeah. Oh, oh, fucking got it. But uh, until then, till next week, we'll talk to you guys then. Bye, Frankie. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody.